Hello and welcome back to your brand new podcast, Inside Travel Trade, the podcast designed for travel industry professionals where we invite guest speakers on each show to share ideas, brainstorm challenges and keep spirits high with other industry insiders. Talking of industry insiders, today's guest is Jonathan Mountford, who's Woo! working in... Welcome, Jonathan. He's... Thank you. Nice to be here. You've worked in tourism since before the turn of the millennium. You've set up several super successful organisations, including MADE, Theatre.London and London Tourism Cooperative. And it's not only a really knowledgeable guy, but a really nice one too. So you. you're my welcome. With, um, Jonathan, with your experience in mind, we thought we'd try a new Spotlight series of this podcast on how some of the UK's and world's most influential people in travel trade have made it and how you know our listeners can too. Absolutely. So today we'll be talking about Jonathan's career, the innovation he has witnessed, or indeed led on, the trends he has seen, and what his thoughts are on how tourism will bounce back from COVID-19, looking at the UK and overseas. Yes, please. Um, and I'm so excited for this. Jonathan, we are thrilled to have you as our first guest on this new How I Made It series. So let's kick start it. Jonathan, tell us. What was your first break in the travel trade? Like, what made you get into it? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on this um, first uh, issue. Oh. Well, it, it sort of all started, um, I hated school. I, I, I just loathed it. And um, I, I'm severely dyslexic. So I, I, I always struggled with re reading and writing, still have, have issues to this day. And I, I went to art school because I, I, I just couldn't cope with DNA levels. So went to art school and um, didn't, quite know what I wanted to do but I knew I wanted to work in theatre or the arts and um, graduated from from art school ended up working in radio for a little while uh, not presenting as, as a production assistant but it was lots of fun uh, then I worked in tv as a, a set designer because I, that, that sort of led back to what my degree was in and I didn't really know anything about tourism or leisure or travel and, and certainly back in those days I didn't have courses that you, you you could study in that way and um I, I ended up doing some sort of um fringe theatre jobs and then one day there was an advert in the stage newspaper saying that first call who was sort of the precursor of encore tickets uh wanted somebody to be a marketing manager and i and i just wrote in and i, I just chanced my look I, I i did a little bit of marketing at the birmingham hippodrome which which is roughly where i'm from and chanced my look and, and first call just being bought by uh, a person called Keith Mills, who was responsible for setting up air miles. He, he invented air miles, um, a genius of a guy. And um, he also won the Olympic bid for London. And I applied for the job, went and had two interviews and I got it. And um, I hit the ground running and we were providing marketing services. The, the company doesn't exist anymore. So it's first call of applause. We were providing um, B2B, B2C services to theatre shows, the top shows at the time, which were Miss Saigon, Les Miserables, Phantom of the Opera, some, some of the shows that are still running now. And we're, we're providing tourism marketing services to them, but it was all linked into selling to tour operators, selling to wholesalers, and sort of selling a theatre show in the way that people like Madden Tussauds at the time were selling their tickets. And it was all very new, very innovative. Uh, met some great people like Ashley Herman, John Wales, Sean Sweeney, who all went on to do great things. But it was that first break it was an advert in the stage newspaper most unlikeliest place to find the tourism job and then I learned everything hitting the ground running and it was I was 20 something and it was one of the 
best times of my life. I loved it. Oh, wow. When I was looking at your bio and I saw that it was before the millennium, I was like, yes, Jonathan is definitely extremely well equipped to talk about this topic. Oh, yeah. It, it makes me feel really old, which I, I don't think I am. <laughs> Uh, but there was this whole big thing we were also we had a lot of um computer-based bookings uh booking system and they thought come the millennial uh the, the, the whole of the dawn of the new millennial that all of the computers would all go down and everything would crash and i remember everyone in in in, in um, to, um um just before the millennial was absolutely panicking about that it was all going to go crazy in terms of technology and there was going to be a meltdown which of course never happened absolutely and what led you to setting up made and how was it different at the time and perhaps even now from other agencies? Like what led you to do that? Well, I, I, after I'd been at first school for a few years, I went and worked for various different marketing agencies. And uh, I worked on Mamma Mia, the musical from the very beginning from when it was in workshop. And, and that turned into a global hit, a global success. It, it went into the um, Prince Edward Theatre as a, a six month filler. And then it just exploded. And, and we started working with travel agents, tour operators, wholesalers packaging, um, itineraries, direct-to-consumers, in guidebooks, uh, eventually online as the, the internet evolved and OTAs came along. And then after 10 years at my previous ag agency, De Winters, who are the, the, one of the largest entertainment advertising agencies, I, I, I was bored and I, I wanted to challenge and the opportunity came along to set my own company and I, I, I wasn't 40 and I thought, well, you know what, if I completely mess all of this up and fall flat on my face, I can pick myself up, lick my wounds and go on and do something new. And, and that's, that, that, that's sort of how it happened. And, and the clients came along with us and we, we struck a deal with the company we were leaving. We left on really good terms. And, and, and what, what made us different, I think, was we were small boutique and we did things in a different way and we especially in live entertainment and also looking at rock and roll and rock and pop and classical music nobody really sold to tourists in that area through a third party or an intermediary it was it, again it was it was evolving what we'd started off at first call and and also encore tickets came along at the same time as well and they were sort of at the time our partner in crime and that we we partnered up and did we did trade shows all over the world and we did sales missions and no one had been to a visit britain sales mission before and started talking about theater shows or cultural attractions in that way and and how you can make money out of it and package it and that's exactly the same as a, a as a, a ticket to an attractional sites thing and, and that was actually what was different and what made us unique and then as Time's gone by, and by we've kept up with the times, we've evolved, we've launched several people's careers as well, which has been a fantastic thing to watch. Wonderful. It's fantastic to be a part of as well. So I've been on many sales missions with Jonathan. Um, you supported us as our venue, you supported me as an individual, and we always get such a big return on investment. And, you know, I can only thank you for all the support as well. We'll also thank you because also we're nothing without our clients and we, we've had some really loyal clients along the way and, and some interesting ones as well. It's, it's, it's been eventful and, and we've celebrated that what a year. Hey? We celebrated at the beginning of last year, our 10th anniversary, and we, we had a, a, a dinner for all of our past employees and, and then who would have thought what would have happened and, and we ended up going through a pandemic. It certainly was a, a, a spectacular way to celebrate our 10th anniversary. Well, I'm yeah. going to last, Jonathan. I know I'm nine months late, but happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Jonathan. Jonathan, where's your drink? Oh, you got my very guy. I'm going to say, I'm a kinky boots mug. A kinky boots mug and a tea, which is unusual for me, but I, I think you pair have got the, maybe the wine and the vodka. 
always um on brand would be in promoting your clients talk about loyalty it comes comes to you so jonathan looking back at what's been an undoubtedly an incredibly impressive career history what would you say are the most poignant moments of innovation and change in the travel trade sector that looking back on you think there are lessons to be learned for how global tourism can recover after the pandemic yeah, I, I think for me, I, I brought. I, I know this is a podcast, but I brought something to show you. It was it was the internet coming along, and I've got a leaflet here that actually tells you. We produced this when I was at first school, and it actually tells you how to use the internet to book tickets. Now, like oh, this, nice. I, I was doing a clear out, and this is from um, 1999, and it's just insane now to think that people didn't have the internet and it came along and everyone was scared of it but and, and this was just direct to consumer then obviously b2b came along and that whole digital area absolutely exploded and i think it, the innovations in, in the industry have been digital not just the internet obviously the explosion of the otas and, and how that's changed and then apps coming along and, and we've very much kept up with all of that and then obviously now uh, social media sales funnels and all of that and that, that was if, if you went back to, to when when i first started that was unheard of you would you, people wouldn't have believed you in terms of the advances there and i think technology has enabled the world to become a lot smaller and for information to be distributed a lot quicker as well around the world and, and that's been the biggest i think uh, digital is the biggest innovation and i think moving forwards to navigate our way out of the pandemic it, it's using that to our advantage I think it's also um, working together as well and, and, and cooperating with everybody because at times the world is smaller, but it's still big. Yeah, everyone's always talked about working together. And this is only our fourth podcast, but every single person on each one is bringing up the family community that the travel trade sector is and that we're only managed to not, you know, survive at the moment, but also thrive long term through working together. Yeah, we should um, keep that leaflet. Because that's travel trade memorabilia. That's yeah, cool. it, 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 it's <laughs> going to be in the Hall of Fame somewhere. <laughs> but but I, I was doing this massive clear out the, the other day, just after Christmas, and I found it, and, and I laughed. And also, so, some of the hairstyles of some of the, the um, people that are, are featured within the brochure are hilarious. But, um, <laughs> but really, just the thing you had to send a piece of print to tell people how to use the internet and how to log on. It's just just now oh, crazy. Oh, Jonathan, can you send us a scan of that so we can put that on our LinkedIn when I this episode goes live? Because as, as you say, there are so many generations that have been for whom, you know, clicking a QR code is second nature. Um, yeah. As you, you know, kind of point out, there was a point in time where many of the things that we take for granted as making our lives easier and quicker to do things just didn't exist. Yeah, um, and, and even in our first episode, when we were speaking to Alexis Pepys from Tickets, he was talking about how, um, you know, innovation in the booking systems for um, attractions and even the way they, you know, gave printed tickets, you know, that's just gone now. Uh, you know, it's, it's all about e-tickets, um, you know, emails, QR codes. So some of the change has been really quick because the yeah. pandemic, but other points of innovation like you point out were just seismic where we couldn't yeah. have predicted like the internet, how much of a change it would have brought, not just to tourism, but to, to everything. Absolutely. And I think also in terms of tourism specifically, I think API connectivity has really changed things as well. And then companies that came along like Ingresso that 
are middleware that connect different systems together and, and, and make all those different booking systems talk to each other and connect and also means that the whole consumer journey is so much smoother cleaner and also I, I think the, the next innovations will be in terms of data and I think data is so important and how that's used and profiling customers and consumers and and that will be the next level that I think where everybody will start to own their own data more will start to use their own data much more effectively and efficiently as well and and, and it will go beyond just sort of retargeting somebody because they bought this this or whatever it will be a complete sort of profile of that person you'll know exactly what kind of socks they're wearing or whatever it, it will go to that that sort of degree well they might even know if you're wearing mismatched socks who knows exactly i think the internet is a really interesting thing which is, might sound quite obvious but actually i hadn't even thought of that you know as an innovation that sense i've taken it for granted um, yeah. but you know if we were to look back at some of the other trends that you've observed um, and helped your clients leverage um, for success, you know, aside from the internet, what other um, kind of trends would you say have been quite pivotal? I, I think from the live entertainment sector, uh, and, and also we're not, maybe it's not just about live entertainment. It, it's one thing that's always frustrated me that because we have shows that perform at the UK inbound gala dinner and the summer ball that we've still been put into that pigeonhole, but we're, we're much more about cultural and leisure. And as Emma Jane knows, because we work with her, uh, the London Bridge uh, experience and tombs and the um, body worlds as well, that, that we have attractions, clients, we have museums and galleries uh, and everything across the board. But what to answer the question specifically, I think it does relate back to the entertainment sector and it was actually getting them to understand about commissions and about how commissions work for the travel trade because way back when they were alien to that and they, they didn't want they, they saw it as a discount and it's not a discount it's an incentive for somebody to actually sell your product to give you additional marketing avenues and channels and platforms and whatever it might be and it's hidden as well and a lot of the time giving a commission is far more advantageous and favorable than actually going out with a straightforward consumer rock bottom deal because actually you, you you can never come back from heavy discounting but you can always come back from dynamic packaging from itineraries and and yes there's a place for discounting obviously of course there is but i think what it was was educating and especially some of the big hit shows that we've worked on over the years and, and mama mia being a prime example going if you give uh, a tour operator or an intermediary an increased inside commission or at times a tour operator rate it will be packaged it will be hidden but it will really drive bookings and it will also drive a longevity for, for whatever your product is be it, be it a, a museum or gallery or an exhibition it will mean that they will run for much longer and i think that's really important yeah absolutely and i like the word that you highlighted about being hidden because yeah. all it is is an incentive for that tour operator or agent whoever it might yeah. be to raise awareness and represent your brand for me it's it's a no-brainer but again it's fantastic to hear from your experience and history how you've seen that being introduced and how you are pivotal in introducing it to to the industry and also people like tickets and and um get your guide and hospitality line they all have their own marketing channels they have their own data they have their own in, in some cases media partnerships as well that actually what you're doing is the commission that you're giving away it, it should almost be built into sort of like your your overall marketing budget in terms of thinking that actually what you're doing is actually funding somebody else's 
works somebody else's channels and, and yes they benefit from the ticket sale but so do you as the end client in the instance being a marketing agency that if you're the promoter the producer the person that's putting on the exhibition you're going to benefit from it and and, and as you rightly say it's hidden and, and that, that that was one of the most important things to, to early on early doors get our clients to to understand that and to appreciate that that's exactly why from a venue perspective and managing ourselves for venues that um i didn't actually have a problem with these otas uh using money for google adwords or ppc whatever it might be because i'm like well, well if they want to fund advertising on my yeah. behalf and they pay for it albeit from a commission then absolutely i welcome that because again it's all about raising awareness and increasing bottom line and I think so long as you have the, from a, a branding point of view, so long as you have the control over what they're doing with your image, your logo, all of that side of it, and you sign off on all of that and, and you control it and you work with them, not against them, that then it's a win-win situation for everybody. Because also then in that instance, when we've worked on global brands, we've seen that brand go further. And then we've seen, for, for example, productions open in London or exhibitions open in London and then go, go on global rollouts. So for example, when we worked on exhibitionism with the Rolling Stones, that started in London and then ended up going to Toronto, to Sydney, to Melbourne, everywhere. It went all over Vegas, it went all over the world. It was, it was incredible. Oh uh, yeah, the starting point was, was actually engaging with the trade, which is so important. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really important point you mentioned, Jonathan, about brand identity. Um, yeah. Making sure that the integrity um, of the brand, you know, is is consistent. Because um, as you say, you know, you can otherwise set a cat amongst the pigeons um, and yeah. a carefully built brand can be easily um, eroded. So that's a really good point, actually. And, and I think also specifically in certain markets as well, when you're, you're dealing with the Far East, for example, where things can be in a nice way lost in translation, that you make sure that everything's used in the correct way. And also providing people with the correct assets as well, that they're in the, the correct sizes, that they can be used in a certain way. Because then if you provide them with the right collateral in the first instance, they're less likely to mess around with it, to chop into it, to, to mm. do something crazy or get frustrated and pull an alternative picture off the internet that has no bearing to anything at all uh, and I think always providing a, a digital kit um, to all of those third parties is so important and with some brief rules and regulations but without ever being too heavy-handed because you don't want to put people off selling your product at the end of the day it's a really fine balancing act I think that yeah what I used to do is create a marketing pack and in it would be my brand guidelines content yeah. both short medium and long length so it depends yeah. Um, and all the artwork. And like you say, if I provide the artwork in a really organized, concise way, they're not going to pull random images of Google and it would help represent our brand the way we wanted to, so all OTAs. Mm. Um, so based on all of this collective experience that we've discussed, uh, back to trends, because we love a trend uh, topic on this podcast. <laughs> what are your top trends or thoughts on what we might see this yeah, I know it's only January and it's a million dollar question because everything's unpredictable, isn't it, at the moment? But what do you think, Jonathan? Um, I'm very fortunate I see a lot of data and a lot of information. I, I sit on BTIC, Visit Britain, which I have done for, for the past decade. And we, as you know, belong to all of the different membership organisations who are excellent, especially UK inbound, uh, ETOA as well, uh, uh, sending out information that you can start to sort of form um what's going to happen within the next sort of year or so i i'm, I'm confident that, that people will continue traveling it enriches people's lives it, it, it's it's so important in terms of not just 
going on holiday and having fun. It's, it's educational, and no matter what age you are. And I think what we will see is we'll see a recovery that will start initially domestically, which was part of the reason that we set up the London Tourism Cooperative, domestically from Easter the time. Then I think we'll go to the latter part of this year and we'll see European recovery. And then we'll start to see the shoots of um, international recovery at the start of next year. From those traditional markets, we'll be looking at the um, North American market. In, obviously, stating the obvious, English-speaking markets will recover mm. faster. I think we'll also see in terms of trends, I think we're going to see more social responsibility, greener travel, people thinking mm. about their impact on the environment as well. I, I don't think that will stop them from, from travelling, but I think that some of the big players like the airlines and some of the bigger global um, tour operators and, and hotel uh, chains will need to to think about how they invest more in that and obviously there's carbon offset the the, the things simple things not having your bed sheet washed every day using towels more than once all of those little things will make a difference and i think for future generations that that is so important and that i think that will be what we'll see the real real shift in and i think that the, the, there have to be a, a, a greener way of traveling and i think business travel as well will, 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 will i think that would decrease slightly and will change and evolve maybe more into the virtual world that we're doing now but it will still be there it won't disappear and i think that um, people will find also different opportunities and avenues to make revenue yeah absolutely i think green tourism ecotourism is a new way to entice sales um, yeah. I know e Voyage is uh, going for a big rebranding project um, and any kind of travel that comes into the UK, they're going to intentionally offset the carbon footprint. I think that's the way forward, exactly what you were talking about. And I know that brands are already doing that, which is yeah, great to see. Yeah, I think it's early steps at the moment for, for a lot of people, but it's really encouraging to see people taking it seriously. And, and certainly um, all the different tenders and pitches that we've done over the last sort of two years or so, that's been part of them. And I think that's really good that it's in there and that people are at all levels thinking about it. Yeah, it's not it's not just an add-on as a PR stunt to grab a headline. It's become no, which it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you could see through it, it had no integrity. Yeah. Um so to conclude. If you were to go back to your 20-year-old self when you'd read that advert in the stage um, today, you know, what advice would you give to someone keen to start out their career in this sector? I, I think um, working hard is, is so important. Networking, because as you said earlier on, it, it, it's such an amazing industry to work in. Everybody's friends, everybody, well, almost everyone's friends. Everybody knows everybody else. <laughs> I do. And, um, I think I think networking is really important. I think um, delivering on what you do, experience as well. If I was just leaving university now, I, I, I would say get as much experience as you can. I, I think also sort of being, I guess, halfway through my career, hopefully, um, maybe slightly over the other side to, in, in terms of the halfway point but I, I think it's also looking at all forms of marketing I think from younger people straight out of uni there tends to be uh, a consensus that it's just about digital and digital is the most important but I do think that older fashion forms of marketing work really well and deliver especially for certain target markets as well and, and I'm not just saying that being older I, I think that you have to invest in everything I think digital social 
all of that is so important. But I do also think at times that old-fashioned brochures work, guidebooks still work, especially in certain markets, and especially when you look at some of those sort of longer-haul markets as well, and engagement as well, and press and PR. We do a lot of work with the Foreign Press Association, with the British School of Travel Writers, Travel Writers Alliance, and there's still a lot of publications that are published there in hard copy, and, and they still resonate, and they still have large readerships. Of course, there's the, the stats online as well, and bloggers and vloggers and oh, all of that and, 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 and podcasts are so important as well. But I think it's evaluating or making sure it all works together and it all has its place and not just choosing one thing because that's the easiest thing, that's the thing you understand. If you're younger, you understand digital and if you're older, you understand print. You've got to do all of it. You've got to put it all into the mix and make it all work together. And that's where you get the most successful destination um, campaigns um, working together. I think it's, that, 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 that's, that's what I'd say if I start out again. That's a good speech, Jonathan. That was a very good monologue. <laughs> fantastic advice. And I completely agree with networking. And I think that's what makes the industry so successful. Again, yeah. that we all work together. And if I can give a cheeky plug to UK Inbound, because I do think as members, you really get the value through their networking opportunities Absolutely. and events. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say also, we, we've been um, a gold partner for UK Inbound for the past 10 years with Maiden, before that with my previous company, De Winters, and, and we've got stacks out of it. And, and it's also one thing that I had to get through very early on to my clients was that some of the parties that we go to and all of those events, it's not just about partying. It's actually about networking. And it sounds like a cliche, but it's, but I, I, I've grow my business i've increased um visitation and sales for my clients by meeting people at different itb networking events at the numerous world travel market parties and that's a gruesome grueling tiresome week as we all know in the business and it, and and you go from one event to the next at times when you want to be tucked up asleep in bed because you know you've got to be there at nine in the morning to, to be at the meeting you have to be there on the time but but it is so important that's how the travel trade works and, and also journalism works in that way as well as we know absolutely well jonathan it's been an absolute delight to use one of emma's favorite words delight <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. to have you on um, our fourth episode um, and to would you be okay if people um, on this episode on LinkedIn if they have any questions um, if we gather them um, and send them across and maybe do a, a yeah. part two absolutely yeah definitely um, more than happy and and, and and also if anybody wants any advice or anything like that more than happy to offer it I want to say one final final thing uh, we set up the London Tourism Cooperative in April time of last year. As a lot of people know, it's free to join. Um, there's no minimum or ma maximum ask on it. And what we're trying to do is to pull together a cross-industry marketing campaign. We've got 95 people as part of it now, and it's growing. We've got either the blessing, endorsement or support of Visit Britain, London and Partners, all of the fantastic membership organisations in, including the Tourism Society, who we spoke about earlier. And if anybody would like more information about that and how they can be part of it, because it's something I'm really passionate about, please get in contact because we're going to get through this together and we're going to come out of the other side better and stronger than we've ever been before. 
Yep. So in our details below on this podcast, we'll put all the information about the London Tourism Collective and how to get in touch with Jonathan. Cooperative. Cooperative. LTC. That's a blue. Um, but thank you, Jonathan, for joining us. And we'll have you on for part two, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I was just going to say we are also working with um, SOS London Collective as well. We're, we're all working together, as we were saying earlier on, which is in 